It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good morning. Great to have you all here today. As uh, Mark Pomery just mentioned, it's the third and final week. I know this is very Matrix going on here. Uh, or maybe even Inception. It's like a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream. And then I fell asleep. Uh, third and final week of a series we called Lead Like Jesus. And on the surface, this title of this series may seem like it's, it's not for everyone. Like, shouldn't we be doing this? you know, teaching just with the leaders or the up and coming leaders. And it's true to say, I've never actually taught a series on leadership in the gen pop. I have only historically ever taught it in the context of a leadership uh, training setting. However, I'm convinced it is for the gen pop because I believe that all of us are called to have a level of influence. And we've actually been and, and this is, you know, for many years, I've based my own understanding of leadership on the definition, very simply, that leadership is influence. And that may be news to some people because we, li- we live in a culture and we're often exposed to the idea that leadership is position. Now, leadership can come with a position. However, you can have influence and have people follow you and look to you even without a position. Plus, you can actually grow in your influence and therefore grow in your leadership effectiveness. So we're teaching about this. Uh, week one, we, we, we started with the motive, a message I called, it starts with the heart, asking the why question. Why would you wanna lead? And, and what's your ongoing motive? And we peel back the, the, the layers of that one, but really the, the Jesus example is the motive is to be a servant of others, that you as a leader win when the people you're leading, you set them up for success and effectiveness. Last week, we borrowed the title from Michael Jordan, the GOAT, talent wins games, teamwork wins championships. And I made the point that if, if as a leader, you ever had to choose, now the gold standard is to have someone who's got a great amount of talent and is a great team player. But if someone only has one of those qualities, choose teamwork over talent every time. And by the way, I didn't say this last week, but I am on the record as saying, I would choose one modestly talented person who's an incredible team player over 10 incredibly talented people who don't play well in the sandbox with others. Because if you're building for the long term and you wanna have alignment and you wanna minimize sideways energy, then prioritize teamwork over talent Every time. Now, if you missed those, uh, you can catch them up on the podcast over the last two weeks. But what I really hope this series is doing is that it's actually fanning the flames. Some of you, when we launched this series, you are already in a position of leadership or you, or you already have yourself kind of in that space where you know that, that you are, have a level of influence. And so I hope this is fanning the flames for you to wanna grow in that influence. I'm also hoping that if you weren't in the arena, you're like, well, leadership's for those people, that that some of you have actually crossed over the line. You've actually jumped into the arena and you're saying, yeah, I would love to be growing in influence and love to be used by God in that way so that I, as I align my life with True North, that I can actually influence others 
to do the same. I am, however, also aware that some people may be standing just on the edge of the pool, the leadership pool, and you're thinking, hmm, do I really want to dip my toe in the water. And here's the thing, leaders will say what Aussies say when you don't know if you should jump in the pool or not. It's nice once you're in. And you're like, yeah, I don't think I believe you. Not for a second. Uh, and I get that. And if you're a little bit hesitant, a little bit unsure, should I, do I want to? Do, can I just leave it to other people? You're in good company. Very good company, in fact. In January, 1981, President-elect Ronald Reagan, on the particular day of his inauguration, was already to be inaugurated as the 40th president of the United States. That was gonna happen sort of mid-morning, 10.30ish. About 8.30, no sign of the president-elect, and his deputy chief of staff started to get worried, thinking, I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that the president-elect may have overslept. And so he sheepishly makes his way up to the, to the hotel room that Ronald Reagan was staying in and he gently knocked on the door and just kind of opened it a, a fraction and says, uh, Mr. President-elect, uh, it's currently 8.30 in the morning. Uh, in two hours, you're scheduled to be inaugurated as the 40th uh, President of the United States. And there was silence for a moment. And then the Duna cover rolled back and Ronald Reagan peeked over the top and said, do I have to? Let me encourage you with two things if you're feeling reluctant to jump in to the waters of leadership. Some of you might be reluctant because you think you've got nothing to offer, that you're unqualified, that you're just you. And why would God choose you? And why? Well, last week we talked about when Jesus went on his first discovery mission to handpick his 12 closest followers. He didn't go to the top schools or the wealthy families. In fact, he picked young, mostly blue collar, unqualified, uneducated uh, teenagers to start this journey. Which by the way, is actually a reminder that, that contrary to popular belief, leadership, leaders aren't just born and not made. You know, we sometimes think that leaders are born. And, and it is true that some people uh, maybe have a bit more of a natural uh, bent a natural talent towards leadership. That is true, uh, but it doesn't mean that, that leadership's just for them. And if you don't have that natural bias that it's not for you, Jesus proved that wrong and he went about developing those 12. Another uh, thing that I hope would encourage you to, to consider jumping in the waters is something that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. Now he wrote this to slaves who were working through no choice of their own, for masters who therefore had to do what they were told to do and never had the choice. And, you know, you don't get to say, I'm having a bad day or I just, that, that's, that's not what I do. And he wrote to them, work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. See, one of the things that some people are reluctant to jump into the leadership pool is it's like, well, I'm gonna take the heat. I'm gonna have to be out in front weathering the headwinds. And here's the thing. When you know your ultimate 
master is Jesus, you are never at the top of the organizational chart. He is. You're never gonna be breaking the headwind on your own. He is. And so this call to leadership isn't to set us up for failure and destruction. Not that leading is all cruise ship and pina coladas, but I hope that you might be encouraged to consider jumping in. So today what I wanna do is I wanna talk about some habits of healthy leaders. Just a quick flyover, and I am vividly aware, and I'll talk about this later, vividly aware that this series has just been like a teaser. I mean, you can't cover off everything in leadership in three 30-minute messages, and so I'm not gonna be able to cover off all of the habits of healthy leaders, or even the ones I'm gonna cover. I can't take it to a deeper dive, but hopefully this series has been catalytic, and again, I'll come back to that. But let me start with this one. Healthy leaders model humility. This word humility, I think, is one of the most misunderstood concepts on the planet. See, a lot of people conflate humility with needing to have low self-esteem, needing to think you have nothing to contribute, nothing to offer, that you're not really of much value. And, we've, and we say, well, that's, that's what humility looks like. And if you think that about yourself, then of course you're not gonna think that you're qualified to develop as a leader. I've got nothing to offer. So I'm just gonna hide in the shadows in plain sight. But if you ask me, I'm just, the answer's already no. And that's not humility. In fact, that's not what Jesus calls us to be, even as followers of Jesus. One of the most uh, simple and I think effective definitions of humility that I've ever come across, and it is so well-trodden that no one actually knows who originally said this. There's been a couple of people given credit and that's fake news. Regardless of who said it, here, here's the definition that I've long held for humility, it's simply this. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's actually understanding you've got a whole lot to offer and realizing that what God's put in you and what He's growing in you is ultimately for others, ultimately for the effectiveness of others. And if you don't realize that, then you're gonna hoard it you're gonna feel threatened if other people are advancing because that, you know, suddenly you think it's a zero-sum game and if other people have more and are doing more, that, that means there's less for you. And that's, no, that's not, humility says there is actually enough to go around. In fact, if I lift you up, chances are, not my main goal, but a byproduct is my effectiveness goes up as well. And you know this to be true because you've worked for people who have been, whose motive is them and you've worked for people whose motive is you. You've been in community settings, educational settings, family dynamics where the people who are above you have made it all about themselves and try to push you down and you've also been exposed to and experienced people who they think that they realize they're motive is to lift you up and which one have you preferred to follow? Final word from Solomon. This, today's message is lead like Jesus with some healthy advice thrown in from Solomon. 
It's not called that at all, but I'm just doing that. Something that Solomon, one of the wisest people that ever lived, wrote in his wise book of wise Proverbs, the stuck up fall flat on their faces, but down to earth people stand firm. All right, here's the second one. This one's spicy. Healthy leaders respond well to criticism. Ooh. Ooh. Now, like it or not, Criticism is almost unavoidable when it comes to leadership. Now, there's a couple of ways to avoid it, right? The first one is this. To avoid criticism, say nothing, do nothing, be nothing. And when you devote your life to nothing, the critics will just ignore you and leave you alone. So for those of you that this is your life goal, the next five minutes, Pop open Instagram or do something insignificant because this doesn't apply to you. I did find, speaking of Instagram, I did find another way to uh, certainly reduce the amount of criticism as a leader. I stopped posting on social media. Anyway, that's a little uh, free pro tip. But it is reasonably true that as you grow in influence and as you put yourself out there and as you commit your life to something of significance and you build a team and you're trying to actually achieve something and break new ground and do something significant, there will be some criticism, almost inevitable. So as leaders and as people growing in influence, we, it, it's, in order to be effective, it's helpful, dare I say necessary, to learn how to respond well to criticism. Here's a few pro tips uh, of what not to do. Let, let's, let's get these off, <laughs> off the table before we talk about what to do. Number one, don't ignore everything. So if you ignore everything, you uh, might miss some growth opportunities where the criticism has some truth and potentially something helpful buried in there. But I'll come back to that in a second because I said don't ignore everything, but I didn't say don't ignore everyone. Secondly, don't get defensive. I was late to the party on learning this one. I used to, in my 20s, my response when someone lobbed a grenade my way was to try and find a bigger one and lob it straight back. And the more damage I could do to them, the, obviously the better I was doing as a leader. Well, spoiler, didn't go well for me or anybody for that matter. Wise old Solomon said, instead a gentle response diffuses anger. But, well, spoiler, a sharp tongue kindles a temper fire. See, by getting defensive, we actually escalate the situation, but not only escalate the situation, the thing is, was the thing, and now the thing sits alongside the emotion, which is now a new thing. So now you've got two issues, whereas at the beginning, you were only being confronted with one. So here's a little bit, and again, this is not a deep dive, but a little bit of a framework for how as leaders we can respond well to criticism. Number one, consider the source. You as a leader don't have to give everyone an equal voice. See, that's, that can be freeing to some people. It's like, huh? Yeah. Is it somebody that's built a platform of trust? There's, there's a clue. Um, 
I'm going to come back to this one. Here's another one that should be freeing. You don't have to answer every critic. What? That doesn't sound very Christian. I mean, what would Jesus do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Happens that uh, pretty much 24 hours before Jesus was about to be put to death, he was thrown by the religious leaders in front of the Roman governor at the time, a guy named Pontius Pilate, and the accusations had been flooding in. He's claimed he's the king of the Jews. We should kill him. We should kill him. And the Roman governor's there in a little bit of a pickle because the religious leaders are coming at him with these accusations about Jesus. So Pilate turned to Jesus and said, so are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, well, if you say so. Well, the high priests let loose a barrage of accusations and Pilate asked Jesus again, aren't you gonna answer anything? That's quite a list of accusations. And Jesus said nothing. Now, Jesus did respond to some critics. Sometimes he responded to a question with a question. Sometimes he responded to a question with a pushback, like, well, it, some of it was sort of borderline R-rated material. But he didn't answer everything, every time. Now, I have a framework for who I actively respond to. This cannot be your framework, okay? First of all, this is probably a framework that's more apropos to a church leader. So unless you are or you have aspirations, this probably won't be your framework. But I offer this up as my framework to maybe just spark some ideas in what your framework might develop in terms of who you both listen to and who you actually ultimately respond to rather than just ignore. Here's mine. It has three boxes. Number one, love Jesus. Don't tick that box. I, I, I'm, I'm probably not gonna listen. In terms of, especially about how to lead a church. Let's start with loving Jesus. That's a good starting point, right? Number two, love Mark Pomery. I don't mean worship Mark Pomery. I don't think, think Mark is perfect because he ain't. Uh, you already know that. Uh, but, but have my best interests in terms of your motivation then, I'll, then I'm, yep, okay, we, we're two-thirds of the way there. And my third criteria is love, elevate church. Because sometimes the criticism is, you should be more like that church. That church does this, you don't, you suck. Uh, okay, uh, mm, no. So that's my three criteria. It's very simple. Uh, and what I have experienced is people that demonstrate that over a period of time, when they come with some criticism, it's not criticism. It's questions. It's help me understand. It's looking for some clarification because they want Jesus to be more popular, Mark Primary to win, and Elevate Church to be more effective. And I already know that because they've demonstrated. I don't have to say, all right, before you speak, let me ask you three questions. Do you, we've already established, we've already established that. Now, A little sidebar, this topic of criticism and a word I don't use and I think we can do better, but this is the point I'm about to make, conflict. Uh, Next week, we're launching a new series called Don't Take the Bait. 
this series is, okay, uh, let me say it this way. Um, in my mid-20s, I learned something from God's word that has been one of the probably top three most revolutionary things that has transformed my own personal life. And I wanna teach this series based out of what I learned about that. Do you wanna know what it is? Yeah, good, all right, be here next week. (laughs) But I will say this, there is, there is a relational skill set, I don't want to sound overly clinical, that we can develop, that when people do come at us with grenades or they, that, that actually you, particularly you who are leaders, can actually not only diffuse the bomb before it goes off, but actually build trust on the back end of the grenade being lobbed your way. And so we're gonna talk about that. Here's the final one. Healthy leaders pursue growth and learning. Now this is our code as Elevate Church. If you look around, you go on our website, we've got a poster over here, this and that. Our code, we have 10 things as our code, technically our values. And one of them is that we pursue growth and learning. Ties into something I taught last week about in the development stage that as growing leaders, we need to be coachable. Don't pretend you know everything. Don't think that, who are you? you? We need to be coachable. But the key word here isn't just growth and learning, it's pursue. Healthy leaders actually go after it. They don't just wait for the meal to be delivered, spoon fed, and if it didn't come, oh, oh, nobody's growing me as a leader. Your growth is your responsibility. Have you ever said, don't, you're not the boss of me, I'm the boss of me. Great, then be your boss and develop you. How good is that? That's true for Jesus followers, it's also true for leaders that we pursue growth. It doesn't mean other people aren't involved, but it means that you're taking the lead role. Now, it is easier than ever. Now, I'm 137 years old, so I'm gonna tell you how it looked when I started my leadership development journey. If I wanted to uh, read a book on leadership, I would have to uh, go to my local library or catch a bus into the city and go to a brick and mortar bookstore and buy a book, paper, thing. I also, I also, in my pursuit of growth and learning, I subscribed using my own money to several leadership tape of the month clubs where some leadership practitioners would send me, I'd show you one, but these things don't exist anywhere except museums these days, a little white rectangular plastic thing with a monthly leadership lesson. And I would put that into the place in my car, which is now where Apple CarPlay and Google CarPlay exists, but it used to be a a tape cassette player. And I would listen to them essentially turning my vehicle into a mobile leadership development university. Um, And if I 
And then there were conferences and seminars around leadership, which involved me paying money and often traveling at my own expense to those places. And I would do that. Guess what? It's 2021 now, not 1921. And we can get all of those things literally at our fingertips, literally. In in case you need me to translate, let me translate. You can go onto this thing called the internet, probably you've heard of it, and you can order books. And they don't even have to be paper books. If you, if you literally can't wait, I'm like, I need that book now, you can get an electronic version instantly. Hello. Or if you like to be on first name basis with your delivery driver, like I do, then by all means order one. You just have to wait a little. But they'll come to you. You don't even have to go to Borders. Oh, they don't exist anymore. Or Barnes & Noble. Nope, also gone. Do Dimmicks still exist? Yes. Oh, that's fine, I already knew that. There is podcasts and webinars on leadership that you can digest for free. All the time, no waiting for the cassette of the month tape. It's all there. Leaders pursue growth and learning. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.